Welcome to an episode of Find Your Voice, a movement led by yours truly, Aaron Dew, a guy who has overcome crippling anxiety, adversity, and difficulty like so many of you in life, whose main goal now is to help you combat your excuses, take control of your life, write your own story, and most importantly, find your voice. So now, without further ado, I welcome the host of the show himself, Mr. Aaron Dew. What's going on, people? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Find Your Voice. My name is Aaron, and as always, I am the host of the show. So today, I'm delighted to be able to bring to you Mike McBride, who openly shares his story about being a child abuse survivor. Now, Mike has actually found his voice, but in a written format, as he's been blogging since 2001, not just about his own experiences, but also about other topics as well, which you may find interesting. But I wanted to bring him on because I wanted to talk, obviously, about the adversity that he's been through. Because as you're going to recognize from Mike in this episode and from the work that he's doing, he's in a much, much better place. And he has this vibrant energy about him that really lifted my own mood after this show and during the show as well. So it's always nice to see somebody who has been through such trauma, such devastating, horrific events to come out the other side and now offer their insight, to offer their tangible takeaways. And some of the stuff he says in this, I just think is going to have a massive, massive impact for anyone that has not just only gone through child abuse trauma, but for anyone else who has just suffered adversity. There are lessons here for every single one of us. So I'm going to stop rambling on now and I'm going to jump straight into this episode. So without further ado, let's get this interview on the way. Okay, so I'm extremely delighted to be able to welcome Mike onto today's episode of Find Your Voice. Mike, how are we doing today? Excellent, excellent. How are you doing today, Aaron? I'm very well, thank you. Very well. Thank you for asking. We just briefly spoke, obviously, before this show, and it is Friday, so we are both probably counting down to the weekend just to kind of relax a little bit. So looking forward to it. And I was just actually saying to you prior to us starting the recording, and I wanted to kind of keep it for the show, your messages when I stumbled across your work resonated with me for quite a few reasons, but two more so than any others. And the first one was about, I was reading your about page and understanding who you were, and it was about how you see yourself as a teacher. And I also believe you were one in your previous profession. And you said something about how you love to learn new things and share them. And then you kind of write these in your blogs and you just kind of share it with social media. And it's weird because that's kind of find your voice, but more in terms of like an audio perspective. And then you also mentioned something that really kind of amplified what Find Your Voice is about, which was that when you were spreading your message in this lonely time that you were going through and you were kind of using it as a release, what you were recognizing was that other people felt the same way that you did as well. And that what you had written had somehow managed to kind of reach others. And then you recognize that your circumstances weren't exclusive to yourself. And this is kind of something I keep beating the drum on with Find Your Voice when I really try and get people to come on and share their stories because I want people to recognize that their stories aren't mundane and sometimes you may say something that might have a profound positive effect on somebody else who's going through a similar situation. So firstly, I just want to acknowledge you for the work that you're doing. You've got a hell of a lot of content, which hopefully the listeners can obviously tune into and read post this interview. But now I'm going to pass it over to you. I'm going to stop rambling, Mike. So if you wouldn't mind, if you can just kind of introduce yourself maybe to the listeners and just tell us a little bit about yourself and maybe what kind of got you into the whole blogging side of it and some of the work that you're doing today. Sure, yeah. Um, so uh, as, as Aaron said, my name's Mike. I've been writing the uh, childabusesurvivor.net website um, actually since 2001. So, you know, there, there's a good reason there's so much content there. It's been going on for 18 years. Uh, <laughs> I think in terms of what you were saying, um, like you said, 
you know, I have been a trainer in a previous profession, you know, uh, being able to kind of take something and teach it to someone else, I think is still, it's the best way to truly understand something um, is to read it, take it in, and then be able to explain it to someone else. So that is one of those things that I would do, whether anyone was reading or not, <laughs> just because it helps me understand that. Absolutely. But the big thing for me, and, and one of the reasons I, I originally started my blog was that, like you said, I, I pictured, I, I originally actually started blogging um, about a totally different topic, right? I had a, a technology blog, still do. And I started connecting with other people who worked in IT and talking about problems we were having and troubleshooting and asking questions and, and things like that. And it, it very quickly realized that, you know, if, if I was a, a young person, maybe just, you know, for first going away to college and dealing with my childhood depression or dealing with any sort of child abuse, mm -hmm. um, you know, probably the first thing I would do is go to Google, right? And and just start typing in and see, you know, if anyone is talking about this. Yeah. Um, and so I set myself a goal and said, well, if nothing else, right, if, if nothing else exists on the internet, I want there to be one website where it's just this normal person talking about, hey, I survived child abuse too, right? I went through a ton of mental health issues in my early 20s out of that, right? I, I struggled with these things and I'm still here. I'm working, you know, I, I'm, I'm a normal guy with a wife and a job and, you know, and I wanted to be able to do that and, and have that one place where it says, hey, you're not alone, right? There are people out here like this. And then immediately just started sharing things, right? Hey, look, here's another person like this. Here's, here's some other people talking about this mm -hmm. um, so that you have that sort of, okay, I, I'm not the freak in the room, right? I, <laughs> yeah. There are other people dealing with this. I'm not completely alone. Um, and so that has always been just near and dear to, to my purpose and my heart um, is making sure that, that people have that place. Absolutely, absolutely. And I love that because you, you just said at the beginning of that, sometimes you'll write stuff even if you know that maybe somebody won't read it and it's just kind of therapeutic. So I've started journaling myself and similar to yourself, I might hear something from a book or from a podcast, for example, that I think, wow, that's really profound. That's really interesting. And what I'll do is I'll just kind of blog about it. And I'll just kind of try and extract the lessons that are my perception in terms of what was said there. So that's why I think your work is really, really important. I also think you touch on something which is obviously through your own experience, which is the, the child abuse that you mentioned. And that's something that you've been through. Now, I have had previous guests who have opened up about, about their struggles with that level of trauma and really trying to overcome it. And I think having you in this space during this interview now have you got anything tangible perhaps that maybe somebody who has either been through it a long time ago is currently going through it that they could potentially help them heal i know you found a bit of a release through your blogging but have you done anything else other than that because there may be somebody who just doesn't feel comfortable in terms of blogging no sure it's easy for me to kind of say oh yeah i blog about it mm. but like i wasn't blogging in my 20s right it was later after after i had done therapy and been on medication for a couple of years and, and and all of that stuff because i don't think you know when i was when i was 21 22 years old um and sort of in the thick of not knowing how to be an adult and, and dealing with trauma I, I probably couldn't have written anything right I, I didn't have anything to say um so it is sort of, you know, that that is sort of an important first step is, you know, I understand that people want to tell their stories and I encourage that a million percent, you know, and, and that's fantastic. But, you know, that's just part of it. It, it is a lot of work that, you know, I spent a lot of time in therapy. I, you know, I, I at one point in my life had to see my therapist five days a week. 
Uh, right. <laughs> I have to take a long lunch every day from work to go <laughs> see my therapist. Cause I was, I was, you know, they're, they were very concerned about me. Um, so, you know, don't, don't be ashamed of that, that, that work, um, uh, and don't shy away from that work. Cause that, that is the important work that really gets done. But you um, asked something uh, about sort of tips uh, or, or, you know, what ha- have helped them right at the beginning. Um, and one of the things that I have, I've struggled with a little bit. I- I've written a few times about this. I-, I think there's a lot of ways to go about it. it. It sounds cliche now to say that, you know, it wasn't your fault. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Right. Um, but I think when you can really under- truly understand that it wasn't your fault, that is such a freeing experience, right? And, and when I say that, you know, sometimes that requires kind of looking at it. And that's something that is painful. Personally, I don't want to look at it. I don't, I don't want to examine what happened and, and look at, at the, the people who abused me and, and look at them at all. Right? I want to ignore that, move on with my life. But I think for me, it was very important to not necessarily find a reason for it or find an excuse for it. Definitely not find an excuse for it. Of course. Right. But I needed to understand that these people were going to hurt someone. Yeah. Right. They were broken. They were damaged. They were they were looking for someone to hurt. I just happened to be there. Like I didn't do anything. Yeah, <laughs> right. Of course. This wasn't happening to me. This was happening because of them. I just happened to be in the space when it happened. And I think sort of understanding that a little bit and kind of getting past that, oh. You know, because our immediate question, and I get it, right? Our immediate question when something happens to us is always, why me? Why me? Right? What did I do? And for child abuse, that's completely the wrong question, Mm. right? It's not why you, right? It's you were just there. You you were in the path of someone who was going to do damage and they damaged you. That's really interesting you said that. So there's a few things I just want to try and conclude from that, from my understanding and hopefully for the listeners as well. So I know you innocently laugh about it now. There's a few smiles there. Um, when you talk about seeing your therapist, for example, for five days a week, because obviously now you're in a much, much better place. But that still doesn't take away the fact that the work has to be done. And, I, and I'm assuming that work is obviously with a therapist, with a specialist who can really try and help you overcome that trauma. And I, I'm also glad you added to that by saying one of the things that somebody who's been through trauma, now I'm not speaking from experience here, so I, I say this with all due respect of not knowing the, the topic well enough, but we have to kind of look at it and you have to look and understand that, like you've just said, these people were going to hurt somebody and you really have to understand that you were just the unfortunate person that they've ended up hurting. And as a result of that, try and recognize it's not your fault. So hopefully I've kind of concluded that as well as I I could have, but it's nice and refreshing, Mike, that obviously you've kind of obviously come out the other side because I've heard some horrific stories where people really do kind of consume themselves or struggle. And again, it's not really their fault because some people just don't have the tools or the, the mindset or the availability to tap into places whereby they can get it. So in terms of just therapists and stuff, is that just a simple Google search for somebody? And I'm just trying to think outside because maybe there is somebody potentially listening to this episode now thinking, where do I even start? Is it as simple as a Google search? It can be. Mm-hmm. Um, it's obviously a very complicated topic. Absolutely. I know in the US, for example, we are, we are dealing with a severe lack of available therapists. You know, there, there are way more people having mental health issues than we have psychiatric treatments available for. Yeah. So, you know, that, and, that, and that is, you know, we could do podcast after podcast after, about that. But, of course. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, it's a it's a Google search. It's a reference. You know, in the U.S., if you've got insurance through your job, sometimes it's contacting the insurance company and, and finding out where you can go. And in England, it's you know NHS. Uh, you know, mm. all all of these different options um, for for healthcare. But sadly, uh, the reality is that we are short. We are we are, are are very very short when it comes to helping people. So it, it may not be as you know. The, I can go to Google and find a therapist, but finding a therapist that I can go to that takes my insurance or. Uh, sadly is going to be a very, very complicated process. Mm. Um, I was very, very lucky, right? I, I had decent insurance. I had a place I could go. Um, I had someone who could see me that often, right? You know, and, and you, you mentioned the work, right? And I, I kind of laugh about, yeah, I had to go see my therapist every day because it is, you know, looking back on it, it's sort of funny that I had to go every day, but that was the reality. That My reality was I had no idea how to be an adult. Right. I was so busy just surviving my childhood that I got to adulthood and I was just like, I have no skills. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I, I had no idea how, how to make decisions or, you know, how to, how to create a life for myself. So a lot of my therapy, you know, once we got past the, the, the shame, which mm. is a huge thing, a huge barrier, um, and then blaming myself and things like that, a lot of it after that was just, how do I function, right? How do I, how do I build a life for myself when I didn't learn how to how to do that as a kid, right? There were no skills passed on to me about how to do that. And I think that is, you know, another area that child abuse survivors especially struggle with because, you know, you you have this sort of highly disruptive, chaotic trauma that happens to you during the time that you're supposed to be developing a personality and developing social skills. And then you just get dumped out into adulthood without any of that. Absolutely. Um, and, and that is also a, a really big struggle, you know, and, and it's it's a struggle in, in many ways, right? It's a, str- it's a struggle internally, but it's also a struggle to connect with other survivors because you really, you're talking about two, three, four people, you know, in a room, you, know, get, you get a bunch of survivors in a room, you're talking about a lot of really non-social people <laughs> yeah. who don't understand social niceties sometimes, you know, and it's not really their fault. They just, they didn't grow up learning that, right? You, you have to kind of develop that later in life and it can be done. You know, I've certainly done it. I I know plenty of survivors who have, but it's hard to recognize sometimes that, Hey, I, there are things I'm lacking because of this. And these are things I can go out and learn now and practice now and and get better at. But, but first, I mean, the first thing you have to do is is get over the shame, right? You have to, we, we have to find a way to make sure people know it's not their fault that they don't need to feel ashamed about this because that's the, I think the big barrier, the big barrier to getting help is, is the shame. Absolutely. Absolutely. And one of the previous guests who actually spoke about it, he recommended a book as well. And I think the book was called the shame that binds you. I I might've butchered that title. I do apologize, but I will put it in the show notes. And I actually read it just to try and understand a little bit about it. So I'm about 60% of the way through and that might help somebody who's potentially going through this but mike i just want to quickly say you have um, a very infectious vibrant energy and I'm, I'm getting this obviously from the other side of the world from you and it's and it's really nice and assuring actually because okay we're talking about a very dark kind of subject in this podcast but to be able to see somebody who's now picking up this episode i feel like i need to put myself up right now because you're, you're not just offering tangible takeaways but you're giving an insight into yes you've been through this yes you've experienced this and you've had to literally try and build your life again but 
now you seem in a much, much better place. So if I may, Mike, just talk about your routine now. And the reason I want to ask that is because most of the people on my show have been through some level of adversity and then they've come out the other side. And to me, that's success. That means success more so than your bank balance or the number of Instagram followers that you have. So if you wouldn't mind just kind of giving us a daily routine, you know, the life of Mike, what a general day to day (laughs) is like, because I'm thinking it's going to be quite exciting, but more so than that, sometimes we do something in a day where somebody might think, actually, let me just try that. And it could be as simple as meditation. It could be as simple as Mm -hmm. writing gratitude, for example. And I, I mean, I'm always trying to pick up little bits from people as well. And hopefully that will help the listeners as well. Yeah. To be honest with you, I think my life's pretty boring. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It's not super exciting. Okay. Um, But to me, that's kind of the point. I I don't put up with a lot of drama. I had enough of that really. Absolutely. Um, so, So I really try and live a very quiet life. I, we had a, a friend of ours stay with us uh, in the spring. She was here for, for three, four days. Um, and she commented on something that, that has always sort of struck with, stuck with me since then that she said, my wife and I live a, a very intentional life. Mm. Like we do what we want to do and we don't do what we don't want to do. I, right? love, I love that. And, and I think for me, that is as I've gotten older and, and gotten into kind of building my, my adult life, I like that sort of steady being able to be intentional, right? Mm. Do things that I want to do. One I, perfect example of this is social media, right? Mm-hmm. So, so many people struggle being intentional with social media, right? They just start scrolling through and before they know it, two hours are Absolutely. gone, right? I've done that. <laughs> yeah, and, and we've all done it, let, let's be honest. <laughs> but you also are like, you're scrolling through, like you're scrolling through Instagram, looking at all these pictures of people who are in wonderful places, you know, looking incredible. And, and it can start to really make you feel bad about yourself. Like we're seeing some of the effects of that. And, and I like to think of, of social media as being something more intentional, right? I, I'm very intentional about who I follow. Mm-hmm. Do they offer me something that I, that I care about? Do they offer me something that, I, that is going to teach me something? Do they offer me encouragement? You know? And I've followed people and gotten into to looking at their feed and gone, man, this person just rants about politics all day long. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. And, and, and you know what? If you're into politics, great. Fantastic. fantastic. Go have fun that's the sort of thing that drags me down, right? So I, I start to feel really just mm-hmm. <laughs> when, I, when I spend <laughs> I a lot that. of time reading about that. So I got to unfollow you, right? <laughs> because it's, it's just bad for me. So I think that is really one of the things that kind of keeps me at, at pace is being intentional. Uh, the other is always learning, right? I My job requires me to always learn about the legal industry and about technology. So I obviously do that a lot. I like to learn about mental health. I like to talk about mental health. Uh, I like to kind of bring up the lack of resources and, and things like that. I like to kind of teach people that. I like to teach people some of the stuff I know. One of the things I've, I've really been thinking a lot about lately is, you know, statistics. I know a few years ago, I kind of tried to do a little, a little math breakdown and kind of say, hey, if these are the statistics about child abuse, this is not somebody else's problem. You know people who are abused. Right. There's there's all it's almost a mathematical impossibility that you don't know someone who was abused. They just aren't talking about it. Right. <laughs> so this does impact everyone. So those are I mean, when I say I have a quiet life, it's because a lot of it is spent just trying to educate myself, trying to uh, share that with people I, I know, trying to keep in touch with people I know, you know, trying to, to have intentional relationships. 
Um, so that was kind of rambling and, and no, not no. different topics. But. <laughs> that, that's absolutely fine. And I'm not trying to copy your answer here, but I feel like this year, myself and my wife, we really tried to live an intentional life. And it was kind of, now I love producing content. So I love creating content. I love learning new things and similar to yourself. Hence why I wanted to bring you onto the show. I want to blog about it. I want to talk about it because I feel if it's helped me, I'm just hopeful that those words might just help somebody else. So I do that. And one of the things I've started doing actually is I've stopped my scrolling or at least I've limited it. So I spend a lot less time actually consuming and I spend a lot more time creating because that's kind of where I find my therapeutic vibe, if if that's even a phrase, uh, where I just kind of dump my thoughts. I feel a lot better for it. But I think we'd all probably be a lot better if we actually just maybe sat back for a week looked at all of our actions in terms of the people we engage with, the things that we engage with and think, is that serving us? Is that moving us forward? And that's kind of where the intentional life comes in. So I think that's really, really fascinating. And I also love the passion for obviously learning in terms of mental health as well. So mental health, especially in my community. So from an Indian community, it's a very taboo subject. And I've recognized that when my mom suffered with chronic depression herself, and I really had to kind of understand it. And then not recognizing that my own dealings with anxiety for pretty much most of my life were also part of the mental health bracket so I'm fascinated by that I'm trying to literally be as as big as I can in terms of trying to raise the awareness behind it and also just ask the questions get people to build up that courage to talk about it as well so uh, having people like yourself obviously on the show that certainly helps and that's another avenue whereby somebody might not recognize or relate to my message but hopefully they can relate to your message which will hopefully in turn give them a better output so uh, yeah i absolutely love that mike and um if i may so then just ask you very briefly then in terms of the mental health you've come off medication now haven't you yeah i have i've uh i, I had to be medicated kind of the best way to describe it is that i had to create a safety net okay during the time that i was really kind of overcoming the shame and then figuring out how to be an adult for me it was not you know my depression was not necessarily something that was chemical that mm-hmm. needed to be medicated. But a couple of years where the, the, the psychiatrists and the, and the professionals kind of said, you know what, while you're going through this, we want to keep something underneath you, right? Mm. A, a safety net to prevent, because this is going to be hard, yeah. right? And I had already had, when I was a kid, one of the things that I learned how to do in order to sort of kind of survive uh, sexual abuse and everything else that was going on was to dissociate. Now, when I say that, you know, a, a lot of people think of, dissociative identity disorder or multiple personalities and things like that. And I didn't do that. Mm-hmm. I, w- I was on, on much different place on that spectrum. But one of the things that I learned how to do was to not be there, right? right? Just mentally, I'm not here. Right. Probably the best way to describe that is, you know, the, the difference between experiencing something and watching someone else on TV experience it, mm. right? So I could literally in the midst of, of the abuse or the pain or, or trauma, everything else that was going on, I could literally just in my brain not be there, right? Yeah. Be like, oh, that's happening to someone else. That's not me. Sorry, I was just going to say, is that almost like a survival instinct that you think your body and your mind just created? Oh, absolutely. There's, there's no doubt. I, if I had to actually be there uh, mentally and live, I, I don't know that I could have, right? So this was definitely a defense mechanism, which is great when you're a child, right? You can just kind of, I'm not here. Yeah. Where it got dangerous in my 20s was my first marriage was falling apart, you know, going to school, working in a bad marriage, like the stress levels were just out of control uh, in my mid 20s. And that natural reaction to not be there kind of kicked in. And when you're a kid and you're not there, you don't physically go anywhere because you don't really have that many options on how to do that. 
when you're an adult with a car, that becomes a whole other thing, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Uh, so I basically disappeared for a month. I have no idea what I did during that month, by the way. <laughs> right. I, I have almost no memory uh, of it. Wow. But I just, I got in the car, drove away. Wow. Um, so the technical term for what I experienced was a fugue state. Mm-hmm. That is sort of a common thing as an adult when you do suffer a fugue state to basically go away because you have the option to physically go away as well as mentally go away. So you take it. And so that was kind of to circle back. The, the reason that I was on medication was to avoid that happening again. Mm-hmm. Right. They were like, we need to put a floor in so that you don't reach that level of stress and escapism and just disappear on us again. So that for me was why I was on medication was to provide that. Um, as I sort of got stronger, started putting my life together, sort of like you, you described it, coming out the other side a little bit, mm-hmm. I was able to come off of that because I was not, it, my depression was not dependent on the on the chemical imbalance or, or anything that medication needed. But I know lots of people who, who do, and that's fine. There's no shame in doing what works uh, to treat your mental health condition. Before I start, if you ever do remember, Mike, what you did in that month, please do blog about it because, <laughs> because I think it'll be, be very, very interesting. I'm sure there's some uh, good tales to tell there. And um, the actual reasons why I asked you about the medication was because obviously I, I speak to a lot of people with mental health. My mom's currently on medication as well. And I think there's almost like a fear and an and added anxiety that I'll always be medicated. I'll always need this to kind of help me cope. Now, you've obviously explained yours wasn't with the chemical imbalance and it was more a kind of safety net. But it's also reassuring to know that there are people out there who have managed to, with the toolkit through whether it's occupational therapy or whatever it is, come out the other side. So I just want people to live in hope that there is a way out of the midst or the dark room or whatever you want to kind of refer it to uh, moving forward. I mean, hopefully if I can get my mum smiling and laughing the way you're smiling mate in the next few years and that would be the greatest gift anyone could ever give me so uh, thank you for sharing that yeah no problem and really i mean i know people who are, are going to be on medication the rest of their lives and i i understand that that sucks <laughs> there's yeah. no other way to put that yeah, absolutely yeah. um but but at the same time i'm like you know what i i would rather have you medicated than not have you mm, um 100%. and for a lot of people those are the options so take the medication I love that. And and anybody who tells you you're weak for needing medication, the heck with them. Yeah, absolutely. Filter them out. We don't, you don't need that kind of uh, negative energy. Absolutely. So, Mike, then, knowing arguably you've probably been through one of the biggest traumas that any person could go through in their life. In this precise moment, then, right now, what's your biggest fear? Wow. <laughs> um, to be honest with you, right now, probably my biggest fear is something happening to my wife. Um. And part of that, and, and we haven't talked about this, and, and you don't know this, um, but uh, during 2019, we have actually lost uh, both of her parents and my mom. So sorry to hear that. It's been, a, it's been a rough year. And so if you ask me right now, I would say I, I worry about her. I worry about something happening to her um, simply because she is such a part of that intentional life that I have is is spending it with her. <laughs> Absolutely. Um and, and I think that would be, you know, something happening there would make that very uh, difficult to have that intentional life. Even this year has been very, it's been a challenge to continue to have uh, an intentional life when you're dealing with that much loss at the same time. But, you know, having each other to lean on has been a huge help for that. So not losing that level uh, of support and, and intimacy 
uh, with someone who knows me so well, I think would be very, very difficult. And and that's, you know, I, that goes for anybody. Absolutely. Well, thank you for sharing that honest part of your life. And my thoughts on condolences obviously go out to you and your wife for that. And I, w- I will actually say this from experience. So not having been through child abuse one thing that i was hit with a a few years ago which actually kind of prompted find your voice indirectly was the loss of believe it or not seven people uh, within 12 months and it absolutely rocked my world from not experiencing no loss in my life to literally being hit from every single angle and it does massively change your perception it does massively change the things that you think are important their status is the external validation and all of that stuff that we're often seeking and you recognize that what's actually important so it's beautiful that you have this incredible relationship with your wife and I hope that just obviously continues to keep growing and becoming stronger because my wife is probably the same as well again Mike I feel like I'm just copying your life here right now (laughs) because having that support network there and having that intentional life it really does kind of just keep you grounded and I suppose if I was ever to ask myself that question, which I, which I really haven't, and I keep asking other people, it would probably be something happening to my wife. So uh, long may your wife's health and yourself <laughs> continue. So uh, thank you for sharing thank that. Thank you. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh-oh. That's exactly it. So what I actually do now, Mike, is for the next 60 to 90 seconds is I just ask you a bunch of random questions, which I have on my okay. phone. And whenever you're ready, I'm going to hit the start button. All right, let's go. Mike, what is your proudest achievement? Probably surviving, uh, getting getting to adulthood. Your favorite motivational speaker? Susan Cain, not so much as a motivational speaker, but because as an introvert, she kind of gets me. If you could get the listeners to focus on one thing for 2020, what would it be? Wow, good question. (laughs) (laughs) If I could get them to focus on one thing, I think it would be to be intentional. Right. Really, really stop and think about what you're doing uh, on a daily basis. If you could abolish one thing in the world, what would it be? Probably abolish stereotypes. What is your favorite book? Tale of Two Cities. What are you secretly good at that nobody knows? Am I secretly good at that nobody knows? (laughs) I am actually, uh, well, people may know this now, but I'm actually, for for as quiet and and, uh, introverted as I am, I'm actually a really good public speaker. What would you like to be remembered for, Mike? Um, I would like to be remembered for being kind um, being thoughtful, being helpful, making a difference. What is your biggest goal for 2020? Oh man, I haven't thought about that yet. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Your favorite color? Favorite color is black. The ability to fly or be invisible? Oh, I want to be invisible, definitely. Money or fame? I'd probably go with money because so many areas of life that uh, are lacking are because of money. Your favorite food? Uh, chicken parmesan. Would you rather speak all languages or be able to speak to animals? No offense to animals, but I'd rather speak all languages. <laughs> I'd, I'd rather be able to reach more people. And finally, what song best describes your life? <laughs> Luckily, I've listened to your podcast before, so I knew you'd come ah, up with this. And I, had to, because I had to think about this one a long time. Okay. Um, but there's a Clash song called I'm Not Down. Okay, fantastic. I've not heard that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's old school. Okay. <laughs> I'd have to <laughs> check it out okay thank you so we're almost towards the end now mike and i just want to literally ask you two more questions on reflection and legacy so i'm a firm firm believer that obviously hindsight is a wonderful thing and upon reflection we can always think of ways to get to where we are quicker easier and with less heartache but it's the journey that also teaches us so much as well and kind of makes us so knowing exactly what you know now with all your wisdom and all your experience and knowledge if you could maybe go back to a younger mike and just whisper something in their ears, what would you say? In all honesty, I, I, I would probably say it's not your fault. Mm, yeah. This isn't about you. Absolutely. I, th- I think anyone potentially going through that, again, I can't 
speak from exact experience if they could know that and understand it i'm sure they'd obviously be in a much better place so on that note then sadly we are actually at the last question and the last question is about legacy and if in 150 years time mike all that exists is a book and this book is about you everything about your life all the ups or the downs or the crazy wonderful things and hopefully what happened in that month when you went missing both physically and <laughs> mentally <laughs> firstly what i want to know is what would the title of that book be and secondly what would the blurb at the back tell us about you i think i think the title of it would probably be something along the lines of i'm still here mm. um because i do i when i look back at everything that i've been through um when i look back not not just me i the number of people i know who have survived trauma mm-hmm. um i mean that has always been one of my biggest messages is you're still here yeah, you know, I'm still here. We're 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 still here, and and that's what matters. So so that would kind of be something along those lines as the title, mm-hmm. um, and really the blurb would probably be, be just what I just said. Right? Hey, we're <laughs> yeah, still here. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think you kind of answered them together. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's an important message for anyone who I suppose goes through any level of adversity. In that moment, it feels like the whole world's colliding, and you're not going to get out of it. And then time is a healer, and o- over time, you, that pain becomes slightly less. And you can get over it. And if you can just maybe tell yourselves those words, I'm still here. It's almost empowering Mm -hmm. as well. So yeah, absolutely love that. And just before we wrap up, and obviously I give the listeners a chance to connect to yourself because I really want them to obviously look into your content as well. I get a lot of inspiration. So the the few things that I've read from yourself, I it's given me ideas on blog posts as well. So I will be referencing some of your work myself if that's obviously okay with yourself because I always feel you can learn so many different things just from other people's minds. Is there anything you wish I had asked you today, Mike, that you may want to leave the listeners with? Um, not necessarily. I, mm-hmm. I, I appreciate and you're more than welcome to, to reference uh, the blog and anything I've written. Thank you. Uh, I'm, I'm actually honored uh, that you would want to do that. So uh, that is not a problem at all. No, I, I think... Um, Kind of to reference what you were, were talking about, I, I, um, one of my favorite, and and the quote is literally taken out of context, so mm-hmm. bear with me on this. <laughs> no um, problem. But I don't know if you've seen the movie Dunkirk. No, I've not seen it. No. So basically, they, the story of Dunkirk, of course, is that they were all stranded on the beach, and then mm-hmm. you know there was this massive effort to to get the uh, soldiers back from France back over to England, and at the very end of the movie, there's this scene. Um, where they're, they're getting off the boat, they're boarding a train, and this, this older gentleman is handing out you know, bread and soup, and, mm-hmm. and he congratulates them. And the, the soldier just kind of looks at him and said, all we did was survive. And the older gentleman just looks at him and says, that's enough. Yeah. Um, and that spoke to me. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, you know, you're here. Like, like I said, you're still here. That means you survived and you can fight another day. Absolutely. So give yourself credit for surviving. Absolutely give yourself credit as well my friend because you're doing an incredible job and service with your work as well so if you wouldn't mind just on that note then if you could just give us the best place where people can read your blogs or get to know you a little bit better your messages and some of the stuff that you write about it's sincere it's authentic it's not just you regurgitating somebody else's work it's it's from you so Mm -hmm. i think it would massively help a lot of people so what's the best places my friend uh, best place is to just go to the blog. Um, it's child abuse survivor, all one word.net. Okay. Um, there are links there. So, so that's the, the main page will be kind of the blog where I, I write sort of my deep thoughts. There's mm-hmm. another blog that's linked off of there, uh, called news and reviews. And that's where I will 
very likely share things that I come across that I think are interesting, make little comments about them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all the social media profiles are linked off of there as well. So it's, that's really the headquarters to, to hit it. Fantastic. Okay. So I will make sure that I put all of that stuff in the show notes as well, along with that book as well. So Perfect. I couldn't remember what that book was called, but I'm sure obviously having spoken about shame and stuff as well, that might help somebody listening as well. I want to take this moment once again, Mike, to thank you from the other side of the world for coming on to find your voice and sharing your story. It's actually been really, really enjoyable and you've lifted my energy up as well. And we've managed to keep this episode, which could have been very, very emotive in a kind of light-hearted way and I mean that with all due respect for anyone going through anything because you are still here and you can obviously move forward as well so I absolutely love that message and thank you my friend and thank you everyone else at home for listening thank you for having me and remember this podcast is absolutely free so all we ask in return is for you to share this with a friend and drop us a five-star review over on iTunes have an awesome day